0: You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day.
1: And hello and welcome to the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastroianni with you after a tough day for the Braves, who come up short 5-2, to two, the final score against the Boston Red Sox. A good game until it got late and the Red Sox decided to put a little bit of breathing room in this one and split this quick two-game series. We've got a lot to talk about here on this episode of the show. As always, though, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so that you'll know when we drop a new episode. If you're here, go ahead. Hit that like button. Leave us a comment. We appreciate those. And make sure you subscribe to Locked on Braves wherever you get your podcast. Well, Jake, this was a game that I felt like it seemed possible that the Braves were going to find a way to win, but we knew coming into this one, they were going to have to be a little bit more creative because it was a bullpen game. And for the most part, it was keeping them close until late when the Red Sox added a little bit of insurance. And unfortunately, the Braves offense really wasn't up to the task of doing what it did a night ago
0: yeah you never really know what you're going to get out of a bullpen game but if you'd have told me coming in that you're going to get six innings with only two runs allowed i'd have said this is probably a game the braves are going to end up winning but was not meant to be as you mentioned kind of got away from them late and the offense not able to punch back so unfortunately just a split of this quick two-game set in atlanta
1: yeah a, a tough little run at home for the braves against a very good american league east opponent in the baltimore orioles that they were able to rally against and take two out of three Boston Red Sox have won eight in a row before lost loss right before showing up in Atlanta. They got beat up on the op- in the opener on Tuesday, but bounced back nicely on Wednesday behind Brian Bello, who threw, I thought, a very good game. I was really impressed with what he was able to do. I was also impressed with Dylan Lee as the opener for this club, as it was, as you mentioned, a pretty good effort by the bullpen to keep the game close, at least going into the late innings, and give the offense a chance to jump into it. Unfortunately, it was Boston's offense that answered the call late to put that late insurance on the board against the Braves. Let's jump inside the line score and the box score of this game. Number 37 for Atlanta, Red Sox improved to 22 and 16, five runs, seven hits, no errors, six men left on base. Braves now 25 and 12, just two runs, eight hits, no errors. They left five men on. Brian Bello picked up the win as I mentioned, he was very sharp. The kid's got an electric arm and 2 and 1 now on the year. That ERA over 5 coming in might have been a little bit deceiving because he certainly knew what he was doing out there on the mound against Atlanta tonight. AJ Minter now two and four on the year. We're going to talk a little bit about him later on, maybe a lot about him later on. Another tough outing, unable to really pinpoint uh, with that control or lock in that control and be very pinpoint. Drops to two and four on the year. Save goes to Kinley Jansen, his ninth of the season, but the 400th of his major league career. Congratulations to him. That's reaching a milestone. Only seven pitchers in baseball history have gotten to for 400 or more saves. So congrats to Kinley Jansen. Time of game, two hours, 43 minutes, crowd 40,270 paid to see it at Truist Park. And, you know, we talked about Dylan Lee some already, but, you know, what a nice job of getting this thing started. Jake, you knew with a bullpen game, like you said, you you kind of are not really sure what to expect, but Atlanta was able to piece it together and Dylan Lee was a very important first piece out there. Two and two thirds innings of scoreless, hitless ball for the Braves to get things going.
0: Yeah, much better than his previous start, which came in a World Series on the biggest stage possible. So, uh, yeah, this was a much better uh, job out of Dylan Lee here. I mean, an incredible job. I thought at most you're going to get two innings out of him and he pitches in to the third inning. He gets six whiffs on 14 swings, also nine called strikes in the two and two thirds innings. I mean, very efficient to be able to get that deep into the game as well and kind of save some of the other guys they didn't have to go on go to earlier in the game. So yeah, I mean, what he did to keep the Braves in this game early and really set them up for an opportunity in a bullpen game to get a win, I thought it was great. Uh, may get another opportunity to do this. Who knows with the way the Braves rotation is right now, but uh certainly was a great outing for Dylan
1: Lee. Yeah, as we know the Braves rotation a little bit uh under siege, if you will, with Max Freed and Kyle Wright going to be on the shelf for quite a while. How are the Braves going to fill those two the spots in rotation and not just any two spots, uh, the t- two of the most important that you could imagine coming into the season? And the Braves, uh, you know, we had not imagined that they were going to have to see both of these guys go on the injured list not once but twice in the first five or six weeks of the season. And now this second stint for both men could be a lot longer. And uh, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later on. But the Braves able to piece it together Colin McHugh, I know he gave up a, a run, uh, a couple of runs in his performance. I felt like he kind of got squeezed on a strike call that uh, allowed the Red Sox to get not only an extra strike, but maybe an extra out in an inning that allowed them to score a couple times against him. Uh, but then you had Danny Young, Jesse Chavez, both with scoreless baseball as the Braves were getting themselves. you know, Into the seventh inning, A.J. Minter came out. And again, this has been a troublesome trend, unfortunately, for A.J. He has not had the same kind of control. And I think, Jake, particularly with that cutter, That's his most important pitch. I have just really not seen him able to locate that and use that the way that he's wanted to. I know he's got a big fastball that plays up. He can use that as well. But if A.J. Minter doesn't have that cutter doing what it needs to do, both getting swings and misses and getting some called strikes, it's going to be tough for him to do what we're accustomed to seeing A.J. do.
0: Yeah, and it's tough. And look, baseball Savant has him only throwing four cutters tonight and no swings. And I just think it's because he didn't have the confidence and it wasn't able to locate it. And you have to go to that fastball as good as it is. You know, good hitters, when you're only throwing two pitches and you can eliminate one of them and the other one's a four-seam fastball, good hitters are going to be able to take advantage of that. But more so it was just the walks in this one. He just couldn't locate it. And, you know, leadoff walks. Back-to-back walks to start off an inning, that's going to spell trouble for you. And, yeah, A.J. Minter just doesn't have it. Who knows what effect it had pitching the night before as well and had to throw 20-plus pitches in that outing if that had any effect. I understand using him here to try to get those lefties out, but, again, just another night for A.J. Minter where he just doesn't have it and it comes back to hurts the Braves in this one.
1: Yeah, and I think you look at that bullpen game puzzle right there, and maybe you'd kind of try to stay away from AJ in back to back games. I know this is kind of his spot in the seventh or eighth inning when you got some lefties coming up, some tough ones that you want to utilize him. But if you had a standard starting pitcher, could you maybe have used Dylan Lee there? But you don't have that opportunity when he's busy trying to open the game and get you going. It is a difficult job to pinpoint or, or excuse me, to uh, piece all of that together. And for A.J., just really unable to get the job done. It hasn't really been walks, though, Jake, that have been his big problem throughout this, uh, these, this string of appearances dating back to late April. I went back and looked at it. Last 10 appearances for A.J. Minter, you're, you're not going to love these numbers. Nine innings, 14 hits, 13 earned runs, only four walks, two of those in this game where he only gave up the one run, 15 strikeouts. So there has been some swing and miss stuff in there. But, you know, you look at 14 hits in nine innings, as you mentioned, if you're able to eliminate pitches or key in on a particular pitch, it's going to make it much more difficult to get big league hitters out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, again, yeah, I mean, the stuff is there. And that's what I think what's so frustrating right now with A.J. Minter is you look at the stuff and mm-hmm. it's there. He's just not getting the results. And when he's missing or he doesn't have one of his pitches, that cutter, as we talked about more specifically, mm-hmm. if that's not on and a hitter can just keyhole on that fastball, makes it really tough to be successful, and you're going to give up a lot of hard hits, as he has. So something's got to give there. He's got to be able to come become more consistent with that cutter and have more confidence in it because that is his money pitch. I mean, that's what makes him so successful. That pitch has to be on for A.J. Minter to be A.J. Minter.
1: Uh, no doubt about it. And if you look at 13 earned runs in nine innings, you may not need me to tell you, but I'm here to do it anyway. That's an ERA of 13 over those last 10 appearances. That certainly is not what you want to see. The bullpen has five losses this year, Jake. And I know that a lot of folks will point at the bullpen and say, hey, it's the weak link. It's going to hold this club back. It's going to be tested more than ever. Some of these things might be true. I don't necessarily think it's a bad group of, as far as arm talent is concerned. I think that these things have a way of evening out over the course of the season. But there is no two ways about it. Without Max Freed, without Kyle Wright, you are going to test that bullpen a little bit more no matter who you plug into the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation that's going to be a big deal. But this is not a, a team that, I mean, you look at a record of 25 and 12, that kind of tells you they're not blowing games left and right and losing these games and costing the Braves, you know, uh, the ability to you know be where they want to be in the standings. But five losses this year, four of them for A.J. Mentor. Unfortunately, he's just kind of been the guy that's had to wear it here over the first six weeks. And it's kind of baffling when you go back to last year, and I've said this before and I'll stand by it, I think A.J. Mentor was the Braves' best reliever a year ago, and I don't think it was particularly close. But this year has been a night and day difference or maybe a day and night difference, if you mm-hmm. catch what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, look, everybody talks about the struggles of the bullpen. It, it has been pretty much one guy in A.J. Mentor who we've been talking about it, unfortunately, because of the injuries. He's been pitching in a lot of these high leverage situations, so it's coming at very crucial points in the game. But you look at Iglesias. I know he gave up the home run tonight but has been – Outstanding, otherwise in his very short sample size. Nick Anderson's been good. Michael Tonkin's been good. Dylan Lee's been good for the most part. I mean, they have guys, even Denny Young, who's come up in spurts, has looked really good. I mean, Colin McHugh as well. I mean, overall, I guess you said I still like this bullpen, but you're right in saying that they are going to have to be nails because this young starting rotation that they're about to really have with some of these young guys coming up, they're you're going to need the bullpen to step up because you may not get as much length as you've been getting out of Freed and and Mm -hmm. particularly Freed, right? Hasn't really built up that length yet, but you're going to need the bullpen to step up because a lot of nights they're going to have to cover four innings or more.
1: They are. And I know nobody wants to hear it after a loss, particularly one where the bullpen gave up some runs and, you know, you just tied the game. They give up that, you know, that opportunity to maybe allow the offense to win, but this once a night you only scored two runs. You got to kind of circle that and look at it in and of itself. The bullpen did give up five runs in this game because the bullpen had to cover all nine <laughs> innings of this game. So that was kind of a challenge. We knew that was going to be coming in. You mentioned uh, Rysel Iglesias. You don't see that very often. Uh, tagged for two runs, a Tristan Casas two-run homer. That's the first homer he had allowed since June the 12th of last season. So he was still a Los Angeles angel at that time. And we know how good Rysel Iglesias has been. We know how important it is to get him back into this bullpen. Uh, and we're going to see you know, how that – Can affect the Braves' bullpen being able to be utilized in ways that really they had to cover. They've had to cover for a lot of things, I guess, to make a long story short. We've seen it all year long. And, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to count on scoring more. But I talked to Brian Snitker before the game and he said, well, heck, if we knew if it was that easy and we knew we need to score a bunch of runs, we'd do it every night. But there's nothing easy about it. And this was just one of those nights where you didn't really score, margin for error was razor thin, and the Boston Red Sox got the hits they needed to win this game. We'll talk a little bit about what the Braves offense did on this night. And of course, get you set uh, for the first of three games against the Toronto Blue Jays this weekend up in Canada. After I tell you about our new sponsor, so rare revolutionary baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital trading cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. You collect, you buy, you sell, you compete with player cards against global opponents, to win epic prizes and win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Head to SoRare.com slash on to draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup and start competing today to win those rewards. That's SoRare.com slash on and start playing today. Uh, we talk about the Braves offense. Really, you got to look at Ronald Acuna Jr. because I think he provided the big highlight in this one. Two for four, a 470-foot home run. Uh chatted with Ronald a little bit before the game, just about kind of how this whole year has been going for him, the fact that he feels so healthy and the fact that I think everybody knows, Jake, these home runs are coming.
0: Yeah, they are. And I hope, if nothing else. This will scare pitchers away from going up and in on him because this pitch was up and in, and he hit it 470 feet. I mean, what a monster blast. And, yeah, you're starting to see the home runs coming up, and hopefully they continue to come in bunches because it's fun to see because when he hits one, it is a no-doubter, and it's a majestic shot as it was on Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. The Braves did leave five men on base in this game, just one hit with runners in scoring position, and it was a one-run game until you got into that troublesome, what, 7th and 8th inning, uh, and real, well, I guess into the ninth inning as well, with a two-run homer off of uh, Rice of Iglesias. So the Braves, they had some chances throughout the night, but just really couldn't seem to put together a rally and hang that big crooked number up on the board. Austin Riley, Eddie Rosario, both two for four. And how about Travis Darno? First game back in a month, he went one for three. I thought he looked good at the plate. I thought he looked good behind the plate, and it's certainly great to see Travis Darno back in the Atlanta lineup.
0: Yeah, one of the leaders of the team, too. I think that's big as well. I think he's become one of those kind of captains of the team and a big voice for in the sure. clubhouse. So great to have him back for that side of things, too. And, I mean, the Braves offense had a lot of hard-hit balls in this game. They had more hard, way more hard-hit balls than the Red Sox. It's just mellow, as I talked about on the podcast, 57% ground ball rate. A lot of those hard hits became easy ground outs and Braves weren't able to find any holes but uh yeah just a frustrating night offensively weren't able to do enough and bullpen just kind of let things get away late
1: yeah Braves were able to go what three and two on this homestand they've won seven of their last ten they're 25 and 12 six and a half game lead over the second place get ready for this the second place Marlins that's where they're at right now uh the rest of the division did win all of them won on this night but the Mets are still under 500 the Marlins are the only other team in the division with a 500 record right now so the Braves are in the driver's seat they're where they want to be but as we talked about earlier it is going to be challenging perhaps more challenging moving forward to try to find ways to win these games without two of your absolute best starters but look everybody's going through it and I think the Mets are a fine example of what it looks like to be going through it in the starting rotation as well because their first six or so weeks have certainly been challenging. Let's talk about game number one of this series against Toronto. It happens on Friday up at Rogers Center, 707 Eastern Time's the first pitch. How about right-hander Spencer Strider? I love talking about this guy. I love watching him pitch even more. He's 4-0, 270 ERA. Chris Bassett, speaking of Mets, he is now a member of the Blue Jays, 4-2, a 428 ERA on the year. That's what's going on uh, up in Toronto. This is going to be a tough one, though, Jake. We've already seen the Orioles. They're a team that has done some winning this year. Uh, we've also seen this Boston Red Sox club, and now the Toronto Blue Jays—they're a team that knows how to hit.
0: Yeah, and it's another you know fun young team. I think kind of like the Orioles as well. So I think it'll be a fun series to watch. And again, as we've talked about, without Freed, without uh, Kyle Wright, Strider is now the ace of this rotation. Oh, yeah. The Braves are going to knew that are you going to need that? Hopefully he doesn't put any more added pressure on himself, just goes out there and continues to do what he's been doing because it's pretty incredible what he does every time he goes out there. So, yeah, Oh, again, we've been saying it for a while, must-see TV whenever Strider takes the mound. So we'll be looking forward to that one on Friday night.
1: It definitely is. When Mac, the news of Max Fried landing on the injured list happened on Tuesday, asked Brian Snicker, just point-blank, what does this do for guys like Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, as far as pressure is concerned? He says, well, I hope as far as expectations that they know we're not changing any of that. We just want them to keep doing what they're doing. Charlie Morton did that on Tuesday. you would love to see Spencer Strider. Just keep doing Spencer Strider things. And for Bryce Elder to just keep doing what has been so effective this year and you know, you'll know, you figure out the other stuff. And that's what Snit said, is we'll figure out the rest of it. We just want those guys to handle their job. So if they kind of keep it, you know, insular and and focused on that. I think the Braves have got a pretty good chance to win anytime Spencer Strider takes the ball. He'll be looking to remain perfect and improve, actually, to 5-0 and in this start as well. Again, 7.07 p.m. Eastern time, the first pitch for Braves and Blue Jays, first of three at Rogers Center this weekend after the off day on Thursday. So that'll happen on Friday. And that'll wrap things up for this edition of the Braves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. And make sure you enable the notification so you'll be alerted every time we drop a new episode. And make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Braves wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get every episode of the postcast and everything else Jake has for you all season long. Well, that'll wrap things up for this one. The Braves, unfortunately, on the wrong side of a 5-2 score. They split their two-game set against the Boston Red Sox. For Jake Mastoriani, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. And until then, so long, everyone.